On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. What are you doing here? You passed out. So I took care of you. What? Why did you take care of me? I told you last night, Robbie. I realized I was wrong and I want to take care of you for good. I could learn to deal with the fact that you're just a wedding singer, not a rock star. I could even you learn to deal learn with... You can learn to deal with that? I want you to learn to deal with that. That's not how it works. Jeez. Oh, Robbie, maybe we should talk about this when you're feeling better. Hey, psycho. I'm not going to feel better about this. It's over. Now please get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you jinx the band and they break up. Oh, okay. So you're still pissed about that wedding thing. Okay, welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast. This week, we are doing another crossover episode with our friend Brian Davis from Damn Good Movie Memories. Brian, what's going on? Hey, boys. How you doing? I'm glad to be back. And, and this is going to be a lot of fun. I like putting together my, my own albums. And, and I say album because I'm not going to call it a playlist. I know it's a playlist in 2023. But back in the day, you would create your own mixtape. Or uh, or something like that. So that's what we're doing here. That's right. And if you're a first time listener of the Grown Up Rock podcast, each year we try to do these crossover episodes with Brian. I think we've done Footloose and we've done, what was the other one that we did? Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think, right? No, that, no? that wasn't a, I don't think that was the crossover episode. Sonny, do you remember? I can't remember. There's a couple. We try to do one each year where the movie and the soundtrack tie in with each other. And uh, they're usually a great time. Brian's been on the podcast many times before for many different types of episodes. Right. And this is just another crossover episode. So if you're not familiar with the concept, Brian releases his episode on Friday. So he released on Friday the episode with uh, Adam Sandler's The Wedding Singer. And then as you're listening to this on Sunday, we release The Wedding Singer soundtrack episode where, as Brian said, we're going to go through some different songs that are on The Wedding Singer soundtrack. And the idea is that we're creating our own soundtrack. So sort of that mixtape Brian was talking about. Sonny, what's going on with you, man? All is good. Just living the life and, you know, work is what work is. But I enjoy our podcasting time because it gets me off work for a while. That's right. We're in the middle of the holiday season as you're listening to this. So before we get too deep in the sticks with this episode, you know what we've got to do here. It's time for the Crank It Up Music Spotlight. 
Okay, so tonight's Crank It Up Spotlight, we are going to feature the new one from Lynch Mob. This supposedly is the last Lynch Mob record they will put out. George Lynch has said he is ending the band after this tour, and they just recently released this album, Babylon. The lineup is the first album with new singer Gabriel Colon, Jordan Lynch on guitars, Jimmy DeAnda on drums, and Jaron Galino on bass. So check out this lead-off track from the album called Erase. So I gave a listen to this album as soon as it came out. And I tried to listen to the album in full because I want to give Lynch Bob a chance. And George saying this is his last album, dude, you could have stopped three albums ago. Because this album is, the whole thing is meh. Everybody's doing great. Everybody sounds great. It's not a problem with that. It's just the melodies are meh, which makes the vocals kind of meh. And we know George is great. Okay, George, you're wonderful, whatever. But I think at this at this point, he's been doing these albums just so he doesn't have to do instrumentals so people would actually listen to him. Eh, whatever. Dude, I, I'm over Lynch Mob. I think I'm done with him. <laughs> so, Brian, what are your thoughts on Lynch Mob? Are you a fan of Lynch Mob? Were you a fan of Lynch Mob? And what did you think of this song in particular? I'm a big fan of Lynch Mob. I love the first two albums, especially. Is it Bizarro World or April Fool's Day? Because I totally agree with Sonny. <laughs> like I never agree with Sonny uh, when it comes to music. And no, I did the same exact thing. I always give every Lynch Mob album a chance or pretty much anything that George Lynch does. So for this song in particular, it, it just sounds very generic, which maybe for some people it's not a bad thing. I thought the best part, of course, was the guitar solo. No surprise. There was a spoken word breakdown. It's really unnecessary. So it's just like, okay, it's it's fine. Maybe it sounds better in the context of an album as whole as a whole as opposed to just one song. I will say I did exactly what Sonny did. So I went through the whole album before I would potentially buy it because I still buy CDs or, or vinyl. I would say there's three songs that I really liked. One was called I'm Ready, which kind of sounds like Panama from Van Halen. Uh, How You Fall, that I, I like that one. And then The Sinner sounds like Heavy Blues. I love the blues probably boring for some but i dug it but yeah as a whole it was really kind of a meh i would say the best thing that george witch has done in the last 10 years for me is dirty shirley so yeah so for me i'm gonna hearken along with you too because i sort of <laughs> believe exactly what you two shared i might just be over it i actually enjoyed the last lynch mob record brotherhood i thought it was mm. a good record this record it's just kind of there. I thought I would like 
Gabriel Cologne on vocals a lot more because I mean, the first time I heard him, I heard him on monsters of rock and I thought he was pretty decent, but I just, I didn't love it. This song, I like this song and I've only gone through the album a few times and it's just kind of there. So I'm, I'm along with you guys, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I I love the first two records. Yeah, I'm exactly the same way. Those 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 two records are great. They are, you know, I think people maybe forget about them, especially the self-titled one with uh, Robert Mason. But uh, yeah, after that, very, very spotty. Yeah, agreed. Like what you're hearing? Share this episode out. Post it to your favorite social network and let people know you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast. It will help us grow and we greatly appreciate it. Okay, so the thought process was for the meetup of the episode, that we were going to take all the songs that are somehow played in the Wedding Singer movie. Now, what I mean by somehow played is, at times the movie used the original version, at times you had a Wedding Singer version, at times you had a uh, like an orchestration-type version. So there's different ways that these songs kind of peppered in. So we wanted to take all those songs, which there is probably a good... 25 to 30 songs would be my guess and we wanted to come up with our own 10 song soundtrack now there's a soundtrack out there that exists there might actually be two that exist um we didn't worry too much about those we were more interested in our own soundtrack so what we're going to share is what our side one and two would be what our 10 songs would be kind of how we approach putting the soundtrack together and then get everybody's thoughts and i think we're going to start with steven yeah, so I'll kick this one off. So uh, as Sonny said, it's it's going to be five songs per side because, you know, this movie technically was an 85-type soundtrack, so five on each side works. I wanted the record to kick off with something sort of rocking and heavy, so I picked Love Stinks from Jay Giles. I went from that to Do You Believe in Love by Huey Lewis. And then I absolutely love the psychedelic furs, Love My Way. I think it's a moody, kind of cool 80s tune. So that's the number three slot. And then how could I not have Madonna and Holiday in there? And that is at the number four slot. And then I ended side one with Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles, Bugles, whatever you want to say. I guess Bugles is 1G. I don't know. I like those little corn Bugles. Are you guys fans of those Bugles? <laughs> Dude, the caramel ones are awesome. <laughs> my, my wife bought some Bugles. Oh, we're, we're, we're straying here, but whatever. <laughs> my wife bought some of those Bugles. I hadn't had them in such a long time. I forgot how damn good those were. <laughs> I, used I, I to think like, the, the bugles killed your bathroom if you eat too many of those. So, I yeah. used to yeah. like to put them on the end of my fingertips. <laughs> can't do that anymore. If you get the new ones, they're not big enough. I know. <laughs> I, I thought it was just me, but what's up with that? That's stupid. Oh, they lost boy. a perfect marketing thing. Anyway, so I wanted my uh, thing to kind of flow, and I think side one really flows well. Then into side two, I'm opening up side two with White Wedding by Billy Idol. A nice, uh, good classic rocker there. And I go into one of my favorite Hollow Note songs of all times, You Make My Dreams Come True. Then I move on to the Thompson Twins and Hold Me Now. And then anybody that listens to this podcast knows I'm a Cars fan. And so I'll use the Cars All I Can Do at number four. And then I'll finish it off with The Police, Every Little Breath She Takes is Magic. So that is my soundtrack to The Wedding Singer's Sides 1 and 2. I'll start with you, Brian. What are your thoughts on my soundtrack? Well, Every Breath You Take is Magic. I think that's the greatest police song that was never released. Uh, (laughs) Every little thing she does is magic. You did police. I don't know what the hell you did, actually. (laughs) I did all kinds of stuff there. That Hey, it's my soundtrack. I can do whatever I want. Yes, well, he's I, horse. I know. He's I, burgundy. He just <laughs> reads whatever he wrote there. I know. <laughs> I wrote all kinds of crazy stuff. I think I cut and pasted long. Of course, I know it's every little thing she does is magic. 
Well, whatever mashup magic can be made, we need to do that. So that, that'd be great. Uh, no, there's a spoiler alert. There are some crossovers on mine as well. Uh, do you believe in love stinks? I think is great. I think, uh, no, <laughs> that almost made my list. Uh, the, the Huey Lewis growing up in the Bay area. It is, it is really tough. It was tough to get away from Huey Lewis. He was everywhere. You guys just did an episode about sports. I mean, that is like a greatest hits album. So, uh, terrific. Yeah, I think just like this, this is a really good flowing album. It was, it was tough because there were times when I, I was really thinking about uh, sequencing and things like that. So that's mm-hmm. why I really, I really liked what you did here and, and how everything kind of kind of flows really, really nicely. And I think the other one that I was going to pick was the Hall of Notes song as well. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think that there are any songs that were available to us that I didn't one know or didn't like. I liked pretty much every song. So getting down to 10 out of the group of songs, and maybe we'll just go through the group of songs later on at the end of this episode that we had to pick from, but uh, getting down to just the 10, I, I felt these are 10 really solid, but there were several that I kind of pulled off, pulled out. Sonny, what are your thoughts on my soundtrack? Yeah, just like you guys said, I mean, there's nothing to hate on the music that's in the film. So the 10 songs you're going to pick is going to work. It just depends on kind of how you sequenced it. I did it a little bit different. I'm not much of a Bubbles fan. That's why that one didn't make my list. But there are a few on here uh, that did make my list for sure. I have a picture Brian, you want to share your soundtrack with us? Sure. So side one, it kicks off with you, uh, you Spin Me Right Round by Dead or Alive. It also kicks off the movie. So I thought that was a good upbeat one to, to stick around. And who doesn't like going, oh, so yeah. Second one, Private Idaho, by far my favorite B-52 song. Love that riff. There, here's the crossover, White Wedding from Billy Idol. Steven kicked off side two of his album. But for me, I thought that was a perfect transition from Private Idaho. Another one that I also had that Steven had was Love Stinks. So that's number four from the Jay Giles band. And then I went a little different because I figure if this movie, you know, it's got to have a Sandworth feel. It's a quick song. It's a good way to end side one. It's Somebody Kill Me. It's the comic relief here. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think that was a good way to sneak that in at the end. Uh, and then I kick off side two with another one that Steven picked. It's one of my favorite songs from the 80s. I love the psychedelic furs and I love Love My Way. And it's been in multiple soundtracks before. Then I kind of kept the flow going. This is kind of a new, new wave-ish side two. After Love My Way is China Girl from David Bowie. Then we get more into the electronica with uh, Blue Monday from New Order. And then keep it up with the electronica and one of the first uh, singles from Depeche Mode. And that's Just Can't Get Enough. That's also in Cocaine Bear, which is really funny. And then I end it with a classic. It is a classic. It's a hip hop classic. One of the first hip hop songs. And that is Rapper's Delight, 
from the Sugar Hill Gang. I thought that was a good way to to wrap up the album for me. And I, I did the time. It, it came out to 41 minutes perfectly. You're not going to get any overmodulation on your on your record album. So I thought I did a pretty good job on that. Yeah, I would say some of these made my list also. Uh, you know what? The other thing I forgot to uh, tell you guys, when I came up with my list, I did not look at yours. So I was worried. I'm like, I'm going to stick to my list no matter what. I don't care if it's exactly the same as somebody else's, but I'm not going to let their list mess up my list. I don't even want to think about it. And they didn't ha- end up happening because of uh, just our different taste in music. But again, like we said on Stevens, there's none of this music you can really hate on. Right. Yeah, I took the same approach as Sonny. I didn't look at anybody's list. I just I stuck to my list and didn't change it once I was done with it. Yeah, because there was there was bound to be some crossover with with all three of us simply because I mean you just you only have X amount of songs and I know some of these songs like I was almost a hundred percent sure one or two of the songs I had because I know Sonny was going to show up on his list. So yeah, I mean, your list is great. It was slightly different, but it was great. Again, none of the songs that are on your list, like I said, maybe the Adam Sandler song I can take (laughs) so much of, but like the, the B 52s tune and the Depeche mode tune, you know, I like uh, China girl. I love China girl. Uh, so there's just some good stuff on this list and good stuff on the soundtrack in general. So yeah, good job, Brian. Cool. That somebody kill me. Even Adam says in the movie, while I was listening to a lot of the cure, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm like, that's better than every cure song I've ever heard. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> right, so. I, I disagree. Uh, my wife and I were listening to this playlist that I'd put together and I had, I had a Cure uh, song on there, the the really poppy. It, it's probably one of the only feel good Cure songs that are <laughs> that is out there. I think just like Heaven or something is is the tune or whatever. But my wife and I were commenting on that song how you know even though in Robert Smith's vocals come across so sort of in pain and goth at times, but the melody line for that song and the poppiness of that song are so upbeat that it sort of, it feels good. It's like I said, it's the most feel good song the cure ever had. (laughs) Cheer up emo kid. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Emo. (laughs) Emo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Different. How there, you know, one is good and, and emos are horrible. They're, you know, they're posers. Emos suck my golf balls. All right, all right. Think of it this way. A golf believes that deep down the world is totally f***ed up. But an emo thinks that deep down they are totally f***ed up. That's not much of a difference. That's a huge f***ing difference. Okay, okay, look. Emos are more prone to suicide. This f***ing bitch, man. But goths are more prone to be depressed that so many people commit suicide. Goths' darkness is nihilistic, whereas emos is cynical. Wait, I thought we were cynical. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. So before I share mine, um, I did a little bit of research and found out some interesting tidbits about this movie. We discussed a couple of these on Brian's podcast, but a couple of these we didn't. So I wanted to kind of share that with you. And on the Grown Up Rock podcast, if Sonny didn't come with some sort of statistics or basic little <laughs> history facts, I would be super disappointed personally. So yeah, thank, thank you for bringing that to the table, Mr. Pooney. Go ahead. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so uh, these are in no particular order. 
most people probably don't know it, but it was actually Drew Barrymore's idea to do a film with Adam Sandler. I don't think Drew was probably even in Adam's sights when he's thinking about doing movies like this, so this case did know. But then Drew almost didn't get the part of Julia. We talk a little bit about that on Brian's podcast, so you can listen to that there. Jim Carrey is supposed to have a part. We talked about that on Brian's podcast. Take a listen there. But the rapping granny. So two things about the rapping granny. First of all, uh, the rapping granny, her name is like Ellen Albertini Dow or something like that. And she didn't know what rap was. <laughs> so somebody had to tell her what rap was so she could do the rapping scene. But the other more important part was some thought it should have been Betty White. And I think Betty White might have even been offered the part, or at least they were thinking about her. I want to get your guys' take. Brian, do you think Betty White could have done that part? She could have done it, but there's times when certain actors, if they're known, it's too much, because then it's like, oh, Betty White's rapping instead of the characters rapping. So in this case, it's actually better to go with an unknown. Otherwise, it's too kind of on the nose. Betty White's already super famous at this point from the Golden Girls. So yeah, I don't think it would have been a good choice. I think there are times when it's just better to go with an unknown like they did here. And and this woman will forever be known as Rosie. And if you look at her filmography, she started later in life. And it's always as her character's old lady, old lady, old lady. So <laughs> I think it's it's just much better that they went with, with her. And she was great in this. She kind of steals the show sometimes. Plus, I think it's funnier having an older person like Betty White. She never really looked quite as old as she was, whereas right. this this lady looked like, you know, super grainy. So it was funnier that she was rapping, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, if they got B. Arthur, now that could have been funny because oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she's not messing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so this one is a deep Easter egg if you are an Adam Sandler fan. So there's a part of the movie where Julia enlists Robbie to help with the wedding plans. And they are at a meeting to get the photographer. And Robbie is trying to talk the photographer into a price that she had given a friend of his named Eric Lamasoff. Now, Eric is an actual friend of Adam Sandler that passed away. Mm. So this name has come up in Click. Don't mess with the Zohan. Jack and Jill. Grown-ups one, grown-ups two. Like, he continues to bring up the name every once in a while. So that's kind of an Easter egg, just in case you're Adam Sandler. Billy Idol. Nobody thought he was going to be in the movie. He didn't even know the movie was happening. It was his son, who's an Adam Sandler fan, that said, hey, you know, you might want to think about this. And I guess Billy said something like, well, I guess sooner or later I'm going to have to see this movie because they're using some of my music. I'll also be in it. That kind of sounds like Billy, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, uh, we know that uh, Sandler uses a lot of movie regulars, so that's probably no no surprise to anybody. I'm going to save this other nugget for my soundtrack. Uh, Boy George liked George's impersonation, even though the movie technically doesn't say George is trying to be Boy George, <laughs> but the guy's name is George. So, you know, kind of goes away. That's another funny part of the movie in the background. If you really listen carefully when George is doing the thing, you can hear this. You suck. And they just. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very, you, very funny. You ever notice he has that in all his movies? Like he has somebody yes. from off yeah. in the, or the distance saying stupid shit. It makes me yeah. laugh. <laughs> it's almost like that. You can do it. Yes. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So trivia time. And this one's for Steven. How many times do you really want to hurt me? How many times does George sing that song in the movie? Twice, right? That is incorrect. <laughs> where, where else? He sang, he sang Brian, it. I'll give you a chance. Okay. I, sang, I think he I sang think it like, once, and then and then they they had to repeat it. So because it was the only song, so he did it twice, and then there was some other time not at that same wedding, was it? That's right. I, I think it. I thought it was four times because after like the fourth time, that's when you get the "you suck" thing. But yeah, it's actually three. So okay. he does it twice at the first wedding thingy, but then he does it at the bar mitzvah. Right, <laughs> right. Because you get the weird looks and everything. Yeah, those yeah, three times. You can help out the podcast greatly by leaving us a five star review at Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify. The links are in the show notes, or just drop us a line at our email, growinguprock at gmail.com. 
All right. Well, let me get to uh, my soundtrack. So what I did was I'm like, all right, first, like I kind of said, I didn't want to look at your guys's because I didn't want that to taint my picks. And then second, for me, I didn't want to deal with how am I going to, you know, set up the soundtrack? What song should be first, second, third, eighth? So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do timestamps of the movie. So that's what I did and came up with my 10 songs. So my first song on side one is playing in the kitchen at the beginning when the chef in the boombox and wants to seize Julia, Julia's breasts. The <laughs> uh, Commissar after the fire is playing on the boombox. So I picked that first. Uh, second, I picked White Wedding because it's playing in the house after Robbie got stood up. White Wedding is playing at the house after Robbie gets stood up <laughs> at his own wedding, which is awesome. Dude, the love stinks. <laughs> when Robbie does it, depressed is such a great version. I actually liked the movie version better than I liked the original version. Wow. <laughs> and then him getting punched. Oh, and then yeah. grandpa's like biting his leg. It was so weird. <laughs> My fourth song on side one is Hold Me Now, uh, which is that's uh, it's by the Thompson Twins. It happens when uh, Robbie kind of says he's done with the business. Uh, my fifth is Too Shy by Kaja Gugu, because I love that song. And when you hear it is when uh, they play it at the engagement party for Glenn and Julia. My side two has to start with Ladies Night. Dude, love it. It's a goddamn <laughs> nut. Right? So his and his version is so over the top. And I love Cool in the Game, but I think I almost like Love It's <laughs> Take Better. Of course, you make my dreams come true. I'm a huge Hall Notes fan, so that was going to make it. And that's playing during the montage of all the wedding planning and the shopping. Do You Believe in Love was going to make my list. Uh, Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, it's playing when Julia goes to Rosie's house to give Robbie a present. That's when that plays. My fourth on side two is Wake Me Up For You Go Go from Wham. Because Linda just sings just a little bit of it during before the Van Halen t-shirt scene. That's really the only time you hear it. And there was no way that my album would not be complete with my 10th song being Grow Old With You by Adam Sandler because I absolutely love that scene. And I saw it the other day, and yes, I am a hetero man, and yes, I almost cried even after seeing this movie 200 fucking times. Every time he does that on the plane, it's like, dude, that is just so cool. This is why this movie is so awesome. So that's my last song. Steven, what do you think about my soundtrack? Yeah, it's good. It flows well, actually. I like the approach that you took uh, about doing the timestamps. That's very much uh, Hollywood poony logic there. Uh, so it's cool. That lady's night, man. Sophisticated <laughs> mama. Well, and he's, he's doing the hip thrusting as he's oh doing it. Oh, my God. <laughs> that scene is so freaking hilarious. My wife and I were dying laughing at that the other day when we were watching this movie it's just hilarious fantastic yeah good choices good choices with all that stuff brian what are your thoughts on sunny's uh soundtrack yeah so sunny went the other way if i was going to do a soundtrack album i'd either go with natural flow of an album or i would do exactly what sunny did which is go you know chronologically through the the, the steps of uh the film sort of like when when you get a greatest hits album i always like it to go from chronological order of, of albums. So I'm glad Sonny did did it that way. That makes it a little unique. I think I'm glad he picked Grold with you because I, I kind of was on the fence which Sandler song to pick, but I think that's a good way, obviously, to end it. That's the way he was going to do it. And that's why people love Sandler. Women love Sandler because of that scene, and guys love Sandler because of Love Stinks or something like that. So it, it's really why he, he's been one of the most popular actors of the last you know two decades. I'm glad he picked, you know, De Commissar and Hold Me Now and Too Shy because those are just staples of the 80s. So it's like, you know, what are you going to go with that? I mean, those are I mean, people love those songs. So I'm glad I'm glad that was on there. There were two songs that all three of us picked, and that was White Wedding and Love Stinks. So that I thought that was pretty cool. But 
Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to Growing Up Rock Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Yeah, so let's cover the songs that were on the soundtrack here. I've got this pulled up. I'll go through it real quickly uh, just so you can kind of hear everything. So apparently there was a first album, uh, and I'm unfamiliar with it. I'm just going off what I'm reading here. So the first album contained Video Killed the Radio Star, which we said was originally the Bugles or Boogles or Buggles, <laughs> whatever. Stop Bugles. <laughs> You say I mean, bugle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This in the movie was performed by the presidents of the United States of America. Remember that band, Peaches and 
Yeah, uh, come in a can. They were put there by a man. Right. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's lump. She's lump, that, that band. Yep. Do You Really Want to Hurt Me, performed by Culture Club. Every little thing she does is magic, or every little breath she takes is magic. <laughs> Depends on who you're asking. Performed by the police. How Soon Is Now, by the Smiths. Love My Way, Psychedelic Furs, Hold Me Now, Thompson Twins. Every day I write the book Elvis Costello. That's the one song in the movie where I was like, I don't, I don't know what what that song is. White Wedding, Billy Idol, China Girl, which was originally performed by Iggy Pop, but the David Bowie version is the one we all know. Uh, Blue Monday, New Order, Past the Duchy. Remember that one? Oh yeah. Musical Youth. Have you written anything lately? It doesn't even say who that's by. I don't know what that is. That's just the. I used to have this this CD back in the day. It is just the interlude of him going into "Somebody Kill Me." Oh, okay, and then "Somebody Kill Me," which is the Adam Sandler tune, and then it ends with "Rapper's Delight." Uh, so that's that's the fourteen songs on the first album. Then it says there was a second album. And that album had Too Shy, Kajagoo, It's All I Can Do, The Cars, True by Spandale Ballet, Space Age Love Song, performed by Flock of Seagulls, uh, Private Idaho, performed by B-52s, Money, That's What I Want, performed by The Flying Lizards. I don't think that's who originally did that. You Spin Me Right Round, Dead or Alive, Just Can't Get Enough, Depeche Mode, Love Stinks, Jay Giles, you Make My Dreams, Hall & Oates, Holiday, Madonna, and then the Grow Old With You, which is the Adam Sandler song. By the way, there's a great Flock of Seagulls call out and when he's rushing to the airport and oh, the yeah. guy's got the Flock of Seagulls haircut. And the guy's yeah. like, you guys like Flock of Seagulls? No, but I can tell you do. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Brian, uh, did you have a Flock of Seagulls haircut in the 80s? No, I think my dad would have left me out and be raised by wolves if I tried to do that. So no, he would. He would. I, I've been more. He would been more apt to let me have a Billy Idol haircut than a Flock of Seagulls haircut. And then the last uh, listing I have is songs and renditions that appeared in the movie but were not included in the soundtrack, and that was "Dear Commissar," "After the Fire," "99 Left Balloons" by Nana, uh, "Till There Was You" by Meredith Wilson, "Don't Stop Believing." Uh, which I talked about a little earlier by Journey, Boys Don't Cry, The Cure, All Night Long, Lionel Richie. That's all by uh, Alan Brandt and Bob Haynes. Uh, that's an Adam Sandler performed song. Ladies Night, which we talked about. Do You Believe in Love? Uh, Jam on it. Miami Vice theme, <laughs> which was in there. Uh, Hungry Heart formed by Bruce Springsteen, the Goofball Brothers show, uh, which I don't even know what that is. And then last but not least, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham. That was all the songs essentially associated, and that was all the songs that we had to choose from to create our soundtracks. By the way, another great call out was the Miami Vice theme is playing when Glenn gets into his car, which he has a DeLorean and it's blasting from the speaker. So it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, use of that song as well. And if you remember, Holly gives him shit for dressing like Miami vice. Yes. And you know, you're going to miss the show. Blah, blah. Well, she was dressed Madonna. What the right. hell is she got to talk about? <laughs> That's yeah. Right. Yeah. You know who would have made the perfect choice for Glenn? If Glenn couldn't have done it, the actor that played Glenn is the, um, Shoot, and I I think his first name is Christopher, but uh, the guy that played the um, the nemesis in uh, Happy Gilmore, Shooter McGavin, that guy. Oh yeah, yeah, he's also in um, Dirty Work, and uh, yeah, he's Christopher McDonald. Christopher yeah, he McDonald, plays a bad guy a lot. Yeah, yeah, he would he would have made a good choice for Glenn's part if Glenn couldn't do it. I think yeah. the only reason you can't go, he might have been a little bit too old for Drew. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, that, that villain-wise, he would have been perfect. And he drew, and the guy who played Glenn really was a great villain. A mm-hmm. couple of other nuggets. I don't know if you guys realized it, but when Sammy got in bed with Robbie because Robbie had been you know on this five-day bender in his basement, remember the whole, these sheets are soft. Is this downy? Right. No, it's temperature. Like, do you think they got paid for that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. No logos or anything just to mention. Probably not. And then I don't know if you guys noticed. So in the airplane, when Grow Old With You is playing, Glenn wakes up and he's going to try to react. And the bike, biker who stops him is wearing a Rebel Yell t-shirt. Did you see mm-hmm. that? Yes. Yeah. Don't, don't mess with Billy Idol or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you remember at the end, Billy's like telling Robbie, I'm going to put a good word for you. You know, put in a good word for you with a record company. Billy was in major fight with his record company in the mid eighties. That's a good call out. He stole apes so he could keep his masters. <laughs> wow, I didn't know any of that. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, there's a story out there. He went back and stole a bunch of tapes so he could keep his masters, but he stole the wrong tapes. <laughs> he, he, that he seems stole about five, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's connect it uh, to KISS. Hey, Hollywood, you know what time it is. Let's connect it to KISS. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS! So for the Kiss connection today, while Adam's releasing this movie, Kiss technically is hard at work in the recording studio, supposedly getting back the four originals and recording a new album that Gene Simmons would explain is going to be their next Destroyer Part 2. But what ends up happening, depending on who you believe, I don't need the Kiss police after me. (laughs) Instead of Ace and Peter playing all the songs, they were paid not to play on the album. I don't know how you get that job. I wish I could get that job somehow because technically I didn't play on the album either and I didn't get paid, but whatever. Uh, so anyways, whether you love or hate Cycle Circus as an album, there's some great songs on it. In my opinion, this is one of them. So here is Paul Stanley on guitar, Bruce Kulick on lead guitar, Kevin Valentine on drums, <laughs> and the demon himself, Gene Simmons on bass and vocals. Here is Within. Yeah, I think uh, this album uh, overall is, uh, you know, it's dissed way too much. I don't think, I think there's some good stuff on this record. Within is one of them. It's an interesting tune. It's very layered, but there's some good stuff in there. So uh, Kevin Valentine, my favorite Kiss drummer, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Of the body, so I'm going to disagree with Steven. So we're on a roll now. I'm really agreeing with Sonny a lot lately, but... Of the bottom rung of Kiss albums for me, I, Psycho Circus is definitely in there for me. So it's right there with Crazy Nights, Carnival of Souls, possibly The Elders is worse. Though I think I do like The Elder more than Psycho Circus. Which oh says, my like, god, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just nostalgia and going back, and because I, I never really go to it a lot. But uh, I, as for Within, it sounds a bit out of place on the album. That makes total sense because it came from the Carnival. Carnival of Souls sessions. So actually, it should have made that album, I think. And the song is okay. It's actually better than a good chunk of 
the songs on Psycho Circus. I mean, We Are One, I Finally Found My Way, Raise Your Glasses. Those are cringeworthy. So compared to those, Within is great. So there's that. Dude, cringeworthy and you didn't mention you wanted the best? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are all my favorite songs. Except for... <laughs> Except for well, what? What's the one I really hate? Is it? I finally found my way. Is that the ballad? Yeah. That yeah, that song's freaking that's awful. That's Kevin Valentine singing. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so bad. <laughs> I, and I don't like Journey of a Thousand Years. Is awful too. But Psycho Circus is a good song. I like a Pledge Allegiance and Into the Void. And I don't mind We Are One and You Wanted the Best and Raise Your Glasses. Oof. Well, uh, do you ever notice, and maybe here's one where we're talking about things we might notice with movies after a while. Paul almost sings with a lisp on, on Psycho Circus, <laughs> if you hear it. He's like, Psycho Circus, you know, like, and I can't unhear it now. It's like, you know, when, when you're from Spain and you live in Barcelona. Well, that's that's kind of what Paul does with, uh, with Psycho Circus, the song. So I can't unhear it. Yeah, we were talking about the lisp and Drew Barrymore like the more quirky she's trying to be in her acting role, no matter what movie or whatever it is, that's when the lisp really comes out. Yeah. Like Charlie's Angels, she tries to hide it a little bit because, you know, lisp, I'm sorry, it's not sexy. It doesn't play off that well, right? So she's trying to hide it a little, but it's there. And that's why I just, like, I couldn't unsee Wedding Singer when I'm seeing her in Charlie's Angels for some reason. Right. And when, yeah. I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but speaking of Lisp, I'm a huge fan of Kicks, and I, Steve Whiteman's notorious for for having a Lisp, and he's had it. You know, he got better as he went, but I guess they really did some studio magic, and they kind of would phrase his his vocals to make sure it wasn't as pronounced throughout the throughout the years, which I always found really interesting. One other tangent I'm going to go on because I'm you guys are Kiss fans, and Sonny might have a strong opinion about this. I've always felt that Destroyer was the most overrated album for kiss in the 70s it's probably it might be my least favorite of the 70s what, what do you think about destroyer you guys i think we're all in agreement with that okay yeah. it wouldn't even make my top 10 kiss albums yeah so why does it get the love is it because it was right after alive it's because of the classic songs that are on it i mean there are classic songs on it detroit rock city shout it out loud but i that's one of my yeah. least favorite kiss songs yeah. but the, i think the other thing is the art that's when you go from they're trying to be scary demons, knights, and Satan servants to, okay, this is art. This is real. They're trying to be more clever than they are scary, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's when the art's really embraced. And if you think about it, 90% of the stuff they make nowadays has the destroyer artwork on. Right. The reason it's overrated to a lot of people is because, I mean, let's face it, it has great expectations yeah. on it. It has Beth on it, which, okay, is a great, big, huge hit. But the majority of people that are KISS fans probably give two shits about Beth. But it's got, you know, what makes it iconic is a sunny, sunny hit on something with the artwork. But then, yeah. like I said, the iconic songs, and it's got a lot. Detroit like Rock City, King in the Nighttime World, God of Thunder. Uh, and shout it out loud. Those are pretty iconic Kiss songs in the catalog, I think. Mm-hmm. I've always hated shout it out loud. I don't know why. It sounds like circus music, psycho circus music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up. So, again, this is a crossover episode that we did with Damn Good Movie Memories. Brian Davis was kind enough to join us. Uh, I would encourage everybody to go to the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast and listen to the Wedding Singer episode. Uh, Sonny and I uh, both shared our thoughts on that movie on that episode, which came out on Friday. If you're listening to this one on Sunday or Monday, which is the release day for this particular episode. Brian, you've been such a great partner in our podcast. You've had Sonny and I on your podcast many times, and you've been over here many times. Is there anything you want to push before we get up on out of here? 
No, I mean, I think by now your fans are kind of my fans now. So it's been, it has been a tremendous partnership. And that is the great thing about the podcasting world. Like we are friends, you know, besides the podcast. So that, I think that's great. Uh, yeah. And you can just hear, you know, all of the past episodes, there's over 370 episodes you can choose from. Some are topic based. Those are the early ones. And other ones are just based on specific movies. So you can check those all out. One thing I do want to quickly mention, if you're a fan of The Wedding Singer, at least the music, check out the um, the soundtrack to the movie Atomic Blonde with Charlie's Theron. There's a lot more probably darker 80s themes and darker, darker 80s songs on there. So if, if you're a big fan of The Wedding Singer music, check out the Atomic Blonde soundtrack. I think it came out in 2017, but it's, it's really good. That movie is awesome. Mm-hmm. That movie... Guys, you want to watch that movie yourself because uh, <laughs> your lady did not be need to be around in that movie. Watch it by yourself is what Sunday. Yeah, that's right. That's by right. yourself, you will enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> awesome, Sunny. Do you have anything you want to add before we get up on out of here? Thanks for listening. If you haven't seen the movie uh, The Wedding Singer in a while, go check it out. Yeah, great date movie. All right, that's it. Thank you, Brian Davis. Thank you, Sonny Pooney. And we are done. See ya. Later. That's the show. So let's shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Until next week. Always remember, peace, love, and rock and roll. podcast greatly by leaving us a five-star review at apple podcasts podchaser or spotify the links are in the show notes or just drop us a line at our email growinguprock at gmail.com growing up rock is a proud member of the pantheon network pantheon is the place for music lovers check us out along with many other great music podcasts on the pantheon podcast network What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, 
the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.